All right, social media family, thank you once again for our third installment in our series on Psalm 91. Now we're going to try to close out tonight, part three, Psalm 91. So we'll do like we have the last couple of visits. What we'll do is we'll, I'm going to read the whole Psalm and then we're going to zero in on the last third of the psalm for our time tonight. Okay. All right. So let me read a translation I haven't used yet. Let's see. Psalm 91. And let's look at... Look at the ESV. Psalm 91. The ESV, and it reads like this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, Lest you dead, you strike your foot against a stone. You would tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you would trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him. And honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I want to start our focus here on verse 13. Verse 13. Now, you see some familiar language here mm -hmm. where he says, You would tread on the lion and the adder. And the young lion and the serpent you would trample underfoot. Now, who you remember who do you remember in the New Testament saying that? Jesus. All right. Luke 10 19. That's right. <laughs> That's my verse. <laughs> That's right. Now it's right here in Psalm 91. Now, what implication does that have for us? Because think about it. Now, this is this is Jesus, right? He's pulling from, from Psalm 91. He spoke directly to the disciples in reference to the authority they had that he gave. Mm 
Now, we're talking about protection. And we've talked about how, you know, the, as, our, as we continue to grow and the days get darker, our need for protection only increases. And we need protection in more ways than we realize. Right? But when we look at verse 13, that sounds kind of, it's not defensive, but it's offensive. Right? So when you read that, how does that, how does that hit you? I mean, what, how do I apply this? Like, how is this comfort for me? I think in the New Testament where it says that your adversary goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom you may devour. And then the, there's places where Satan is called that dragon and that serpent and stuff. Just looks like you'll be able to defend yourself and even go back against when he attacks you. And you'll be able to destroy the attack. That's good. Good. Anybody else? It looks like to me that we we play a part in this. You know, we cooperate with God. He gives us the authority, so we play a part in using our authority. It's not just Him, though. We know He's the source, but mm -hmm. He gives us the authority. Yeah. So we have to understand. We have to cooperate with Him and release that authority. As far as you know. Having our protection. Okay. Basically, nothing can harm us, even, you know, stuff. I mean, like, you know, here, because I was just thinking, it's like, you know, we, we have a part in that, but it's like, it's still the same. It's like, we're protected. Like, mm -hmm. it, if it tries to come against us, it's like, you know, it's like, you can't hurt me, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. Probably had more questions on it, man. The uh, I was gonna ask the the lion, you know, and then it says young lion, and of course, golden serpent. You know, what is that? How would that translate today? What is that? I guess represented, uh, and, and why was that chosen? You know, lion, cobra. I mean. Were they the most dangerous things in that time? Or? I don't know, I just mm -hmm. I, I need a little wisdom on that. Well, in Luke 10, 18, Jesus was directly referring to Satan. He says, and he said to them, I saw Satan falling like a lightning flash from heaven. Yes. Behold. So those two verses are connected. I have given you authority now, we're assuming, then when he says to trample upon serpents and scorpions mm -hmm. and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy, he's talking about, verse 18, Satan. Yeah, that's how I was thinking. Yeah. Well, why does it say trample on a lion? How do you trample on a lion? Well, it says trample upon serpents. It doesn't say. No, the other, oh, Psalm 91 does. What about the lion? Okay. All right. So I'm gonna go. What is What we're gonna do is um let's go back to Psalm 91 and I'm gonna pull from uh, the New American Standard and we'll look at the words. All right, let's look at tread and let's see what it says here. In the all right, 
to walk or also to string a bow. All right. Mm. Now, in the Briars Briggs definition, it says to tread to march, march forth, to tread a press, to bend a bow, an archer, bow. Right now, now think about that. You will tread, march forward, right? So if you are, we're, we're on this Christian walk, right? We are living or walking. And the, the phrase walking refers to us living out our lives, right? So if we're, if it's our will and the Father's will for us to be fruitful, to multiply, to be salt and light, then obviously the enemy has an opposite agenda, right? And he, he, and he, in order to, and he wants to stop that from coming to pass. So he's going to get in the way. But I'm looking at this word tread. So you will tread upon the lion. Now let's look at the lion. Well, he just said, First Peter 5 8, mm -hmm. you said Satan goes about as a roaring mm -hmm. lion. Mm -hmm. So you got the Old Testament reference to the serpent mm -hmm. and the New Testament reference to the lion. Right, and let's back this up even further. If I look at Strong's definition, is this word is from an unused root, probably meaning to roar. Trying to scare you. A lion. Right. And look at Bryce Drake, <laughs> Brown Drivers Briggs, Lion of Jehovah, and figurative, figuratively wicked man. Right? So you see, he goes about as a roaring lion. That's the enemy. But we have been given authority to do what? To tread upon the lion. So we're not one of those whom he made devour. It'd be somebody who wouldn't know that. Right. Right. Now, let's keep going. Now, in the New American Standard, the word cobra is used. Now, from an unused root meaning to twist. An adder. Snake, venomous serpent, perhaps the cobra, adder, or viper. Now, this is kind of curious. Look at that word to twist, the root of that. That's what he did with Eve in the garden, right? That same serpent. <laughs> yeah, no, think about it. Yeah. Right? Because this, this really is the word I'm looking at. It looks like it's python. Mm hmm. Right? So, what does that do? What is. What does the enemy do? I mean, a he, python will wrap himself around you. Suffocation. Twist. And he'll twist the word of God. <laughs> right. Like wicker. Just like, yeah, just like he did with Eve, he'll twist the word. Right. Say, did God say? And, and, and see, 
Isn't it curious that the enemy uses the previous verse, the previous verse here in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? And you see, and you see right here in verse 13, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The twisting, the wickedness. But what did the enemy try to do to Jesus in the garden? He, he, he used, he tries, he, he twisted mm -hmm. the word out of context mm -hmm. during the temptation. Now, I don't know about y'all, but this is like encouraging to me mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm seeing this. Because we, we talk about being protected from every everything that is meant to harm us. <clears throat> This is this is a, a, a prime example of the the protection that we're provided, the authority that we are given to tread upon, to continue to march, to walk in spite of the opposition of the lion and the twist, the twisting, the wickedness. All right. Let's look at young line. What is that? What is the Hebrew here? All right. Comes from the word of village as covered in by walls. Also young line, perhaps as covered with a, a main. Young lion village. Now you see the word paired, the word serpent paired with young lion here. All right. Footnote, it can be dragon, serpent. Have you got the young's literal? <clears throat> Let's see. Let me see if I can pull it up. Now let's look at the Young's literal says in 13 says on lion and asap thou treadest thou tramplest young lion and dragon. So say this under our feet, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The psalm wonderfully reassures anyone facing the sickness or death of a loved one, one time in prison or some other great loss. Now you see how, right, as we go through this psalm, we, we get so much imagery in reference to the, the dimensions of protection that are provided for us. Does anybody understand like 11, 12? So for he will give his angels charge over you. So the angels are doing something. And then it says, 
you will tread. So how does that all work out together? You're going to do this. The angels are going to do that. What happens? Everybody's going to jump. Yeah, that's yeah. why I said earlier. It's cooperation. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that God has already finished work, but we have to cooperate him by releasing our authority to trample upon the earth. But the angels have charged away to keep us in his way. So God's part and then our part. And you can get in certain situations where you can't do anything about it. Right. I read about a guy who was driving down an old farm road late at night and he was going about 50. And he said, you couldn't see anything. It was foggy and dark. And he said, all of a sudden, there was about 100 cows blocking the road. And, and he said, all he did was grab the wheel, scream to his wife to grab the kid and slam his brakes on. And he said, by the time the car stopped, they were on the other side of the cows. And he looked in the mirror, the cows were still there. But he evidently went either through them or over them. And that's where Angel stepped in, because he couldn't have done anything about it more than he did. Right. That's good. Yeah. Because I like how, you know, what Eric said, the cooperation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we living in, in two worlds. Because you got the spiritual realm that you can't see with your physical eyes, and then you got the natural world. Right. And he we have been given dominion on what? Yeah. On earth. So our cooperation is is vital. And this is not to say that God is not limited. He's not less than. I, absolutely not. And this is where some people get, you know, they, they'll get upset is if you're trying to minimize God's power. And that's not that's not it at all. But in order for his will to come to pass, he is set up in such a way if if he we need to cooperate with that. And see, and this is why I'm looking at verse 13 and it's so encouraging because how do we get robbed out of our authority? Through lies, mm-hmm. through ignorance, through, through unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. So he said he has told us that we have the ability to tread upon the lion, the cobra, the young lion, and the serpent. You will trample them. But now, even though I have that authority, if I don't believe that. What's going to happen? You're going to get bit. Yeah, you get bit, right. <laughs> Nothing good. Right. That's like you can put an, an, an officer in a, in a situation, give him a badge, give him a gun. But if he does not exercise his authority... You put him in a room full of criminals. What's gonna happen? He's dog meat. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's gone. <laughs> Even though he has authority to exercise the law mm-hmm. in that situation, in that environment, but if he doesn't exercise it, if he doesn't believe, if he be, if he doesn't recognize what he, what he's wearing, who he is, then what's gonna happen? Gonna They're gonna take advantage of that guy. Yeah. You just said when you stand in, when they're directing traffic because something's happening. Oh, yeah. They're just standing there. There's a person they go. If they don't know the authority, someone's going to run them over. Stop. You get in my way. No, it's going to like, you know, get over there. And that gun, that, that, that means authority. You put that in somebody's face, 
So I had a guy running at me one time, and his heart was pumping Seagram 7. I mean, he was, he was going to just kill me, right? I went, and all of a sudden, his heart was pumping Koi. He didn't want anything to do with me. You know, he went home. I went home. There was no cops called. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> my brother was telling about a funeral that we were, he was a pallbearer, and he said um, that's how some. It was a car too, a police car. Anyways, there was a, a you know, police car was telling people, you know, just like going this way. And this man came around the police car, and he took off, and they and he's trying to get the, you know. They're the pallbearers right behind the hearse. Mm. And there it is. Bam, right the side of the, the, the car with the pallbearers, which is my brother was one of them. He goes, it just, it knocked us. The car didn't get my somebody's told. Because he goes, the car's going like, Jim, stay right where you are. He ran right to them. He goes, you all right? He was, they go, yeah, we're fine. He goes, you sure you okay? And he's like, you get over there right now. He was using his authority. <laughs> and then he was like, he went over. He could have been like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. yeah. Nothing would have happened. He'd have went on. The man would have been like, I don't care. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So this, this revelation of authority is something that, you know, we, if we don't have it, then this is not only hurting ourselves, but it's hurting the people around us too. That need that need the authority of a believer to stand stand in the. I know we may not like this phrase, but stand in the gap for them, right? But if you don't believe that your prayers matter or mean anything, are you gonna pray? Nope. If it's just case sera sera, then what difference do it make whether I pray or not? Yep, don't change a thing. I try. I guess you can read it from the Passion Translation too. Can't it? Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's look at it in verses twelve and thirteen. In the Passion Translation, it says, "If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling." Referring to the angels. Mm -hmm. Verse thirteen. You'll even walk unharmed amongst the fierce power, fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. So Jean said. Now looking at the footnote here, says the Hebrew includes the words lions, snakes, and dragons as the three great symbols of satanic power. Mm -hmm. So you see how we, we, we talked about the 360 degrees of protection in Psalm 91. I said, this is it right here. It goes hand in hand so nicely with Psalm 23 as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, as, as it talks about even when we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, um, you know, not necessarily even the places that he's led us in the places of righteousness, you know, it might be our willfulness even that's getting us out of whack a bit, but um, whatever, for whatever reason, we're in those dark places, it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I was thinking the 
you know, the rod sounds very much like that authority and the staff sounds very much like, you know, the angelic help that we have as well uh, standing around us. And then it goes even beyond that. It says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's something to really think about. That, that's cool. That, that is really, can you imagine having all your enemies around you? And like they got spears and guns and they want to hurt you. And all of a sudden you say, relax, I need to eat first. It's got to disarm everybody. The day we have is communion. Yes. It's the mm -hmm. communion of our, of our Lord. And the oil is, is his Holy Spirit. So, I mean, it, I just think these two go hand in hand so beautifully. Mm. That's real good. Yeah, when Terry wasn't feeling well one time, she was taking communion every day, right? For what, months? Months and months. And months. So let's say you're in the military and you're a Christian and you're a prophetic and God, you know, tells you something about some bad decisions and then you try to go to your commander people and they don't listen, then that just... Seems like a really terrible position to be in. I don't know that God would tell you if they wouldn't listen. I think He might lead you to be somewhere where you might be safe, or you could get some other people to be safe. But if the uh, people above you wouldn't listen, He'd, he'd work out some other path. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could it, it could work out like that. I mean, because people, and we talk about free will, right? You know, and they and for that commanding officer, those people that are, in, that are above this person. That is a that is a, a olive branch, or that is that is some protection that is being offered to them in that moment. Now, in their free will, they may re reject or accept it. But it's interesting when you, because you know, when you have loved ones or whatever, you're in a church prayer group, and you know they pray for people in the military in the wars and stuff. That is such a tricky situation. That um, if you don't have a lot of faith, you study, study World War II, and you'll see where God intervened in battles a hundred times. I mean, we we were the Japanese were taking the but whole it's world. it's probably because the people had faith mm -hmm. and prayer, and they weren't lackadaisical about mm -hmm. it. And yeah, but the Japanese were were about to take on the whole world. And they had the military to do it. They had everything. And uh, God kept stepping in and intervening. Let me jump back on what Mary um, said. This is That was a you know, real good point. How the, the two Psalms kind of were intertwined, mm -hmm. intertwined. Where he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, why why isn't David fearing any evil? For thy rod, for thou art with me, number one. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod and the staff represent what? Authority. Both in rank and in power, like dunamis power. Right now, think about because think about the literal staff and the shepherd. Now, amongst the sheep, the staff is used to protect or provide a boundary to guide. 
right? Now, amongst the wolves, the, the staff represents what? A weapon mm -hmm. to fend them off. And you Shepherd's think. Rod was also a, was also a weapon as well. It's like more like a club mm -hmm. type thing as well. Right. And the staff represents the authority amongst what? Amongst dignitaries and kings. So villages, you know, you in a village or you in a in a in a area, and you carry the staff, then that represents your position of authority. And when David was a shepherd, he killed a, a lion and a bear. So I mean, that goes back to that too. Yeah, that's right. How do you do that anyway? Supernatural power. When he was saying, "I can run through a troop and leap over a wall." Some of those walls were 40 feet high and 20 feet wide, and he could do it. I mean, they were, that's why they, that's why it's so supernatural, some of the stuff that happened back then. Well, think of Moses, too, with his staff. Mm -hmm. and the first, one of the first signs was with the serpent. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot, a lot going on with this symbolisms. Mm. Now, reading all this, do we have a cause to be scared? Mm -mm. No. But again, that you know, that goes back to us monitoring our eye gate and our ear gate and our mouth gate, right? Because it, 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 this what we're reading right here is not on the six o'clock news. It's not on Twitter. It's not on Instagram. If we put that on Twitter, they ban us. <laughs> You know, I think about in general what Psalm 91 was saying, just all the different, like you're saying, the 360 covering, you know. And I was telling mom this week, the past couple of weeks we were talking about, she knew, but I just was saying some of the things that I did in my life, and I go four or five years ago, um, you know, rejecting, well, what I thought God was, but, you know, running away from being scared, you know, of Him. Mm -hmm. And I go, I look back at some of the things the things I did out of fear, the path that I took, and I go, thank God for his grace. And I go, you you can't explain it. Like, I have literally, and mom knows, like, it's funny, I was just talking about this, I was recounting this this week, I go, God, like, I'm not questioning God, like, in a bad way. I'm like, God, do other people not listen? Do they push that hard against it? I go, God, like, I look at some of the things that were set up where, like, I make a decision on something and something would not work out or this would be this way or that would be that way. And I go, if it, if it had deviated just a little bit here, a little bit there in some of these situations, I'd still have a testimony, but it would be a lot different. It would be a lot of destruction on my part. And I go, God, you had this set up like so far ahead and I cannot even, like it boggles my mind just thinking about it. Like this was there, a roadblock there, and then this here, and then the wisdom and the desire in my heart really deep down to not really want to do anything stupid, you know, just mm -hmm. was terrified. But it's just go, but even when I did, you know, oh wow, you know, it's just amazing. We're just reading all this and like how much God puts into just keeping his children safe. You know? And when you look at what you deserve and what you get, you get so grateful, you can't believe it. Yeah. You know, you look back and say, I should be dead a hundred yeah. times over. And you love me and sent your son for me. I used to tell him all the time, 
you got a bad deal, guys. I got you. You but you got me. You know, I used to say you, you yeah. really got you got ripped off. And he sees the part, you know. Yeah. Right? I'm glad no, you didn't I'm, say that with, with our wedding vows. I'm talking about what, <laughs> when I first Truth got is, saved. you're really getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I grew up very much in a conservative situation, and I felt the same way. I didn't have all these stories y'all have, but my goodness, God's grace and, right. and mm -hmm. goodness is amazing. Right. And what He's protected protected me from in other ways. That you know, the heart's the same regardless yeah. of how exteriors. So mm -hmm. I was singing and dancing for years after I got saved. I was so. I couldn't believe he saved me in the first place. And when I knew it was for real, I mean, I was like a kid at Christmas time, you know? I said, get God, you did it. I didn't ask for it. You just did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Mm -hmm. Child's heart. Mm -hmm. now, looking at verse 5 in Psalm 23, and we already quoted that. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, in Proverbs it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he will even make his enemies mm -hmm. at peace with him. And the thing about it is, right, if we get the ride on Jesus' coattails, mm -hmm. or for his obedience and not ours, because his ways please the Lord 100% of the time. And David, when you look at him, you know, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed ten thousands. I mean, David was like a bad dude, and he was a man after God's own heart. You know, when you really study David, you say he was a, like a really a, a warrior king. You know, big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is the same guy that's singing and dancing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, praising God. He made stupid decisions. It's just interesting. Like, there's one part in Samuel. I think it's Second Samuel. I was reading it. It's at the beginning. I don't remember the super details, but it just really was interesting. It wasn't one of those big verses that stick out or like, oh, or like they're taught about. But David was that was after um it was after Jonathan had died, and you know he was really upset and stuff. But he had asked God. He goes like, you know, they were still at war. So he goes like, God. He goes like, he he talked to God about these little details. He's like, God, where where should I go? No, should I go? Or whatever he was asking to go, goes, you should go. It's like. Or where exactly should I go? You know, and he was asking all these little details, and God right. was telling him. And I go, that's interesting to me. He was asking about the small details, you know. And I go, it's in there. You know, I'm sure we've all read over it. But I was like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. man, heart. That's right. That's good. And why did um, Jonathan choose his dad? I never understand that. Why did you say why did Jonathan choose? Why his dad? did he choose his dad over David? It's like. Stupid. I don't, he he I don't know if he chose. He went yeah. with his dad and they both died in battle. So, what blood is thicker than the four Maybe out of so honor. Foolish. Maybe honor his father. Mm. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, you look at even David and his, his interpretation of the scriptures about um, how they were supposed to respect the king. And yeah. he wouldn't even do mm -hmm. anything to Saul, though he had plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. God set up that standard that the king was everything um, because it was representing him. Obviously, the choice to have kings was really in that. 
right? But um, I, I wonder if Jonathan, because I thought I thought about that one too, and I thought, you know, I think Jonathan was raised in the concept of the king and being the king, the the heir apparent or whoever he was, you know. And there's a loyalty there that I don't think most of us understand. You know, and and a, and a responsibility for uh, believing that you're you're um, caring for this body of people, and you would give up your life to take care of them. Mm-hmm. I think it was more the duty that not. I, I think he recognized the evil that was going on in his dad because of even with the whole dinner episode where he almost got killed by his dad. But I think it was a bigger picture, like the people of Israel was his focus. And he had to really be conflicted because Jonathan loved David. I mean, he truly, yeah. loved, he truly loved himself. Mm-hmm. There was a big conflict going on there. But also, he now look at Jonathan. He was next in line to be king. Yeah. Yeah. So he really said, hey, you can't understand it's not me, it's you. So he, by law, he was supposed to be the next one up. But he's like, no, nah, I know. Okay, mm-hmm. this is you have an anointing to do this. So they were beyond best friends. That was amazing. Just as a side, yeah, yeah. So you know, the our theme is protection, right? Do we? What other things? Just off the top of your head. Right. Do you believe that we need protection from? From ourselves. Yeah, our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You need protection from yourself. Your nature, your passions, you need to protect all yeah. yourself from all that all that mess. You know, even our best we still get off track. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. How about our past? Oh, yeah. Our, our what? Past. Yes. Oh, sorry. That's all right. That's good. I'm still having trouble with mine. I, I'm doing much better than I ever did. But I, you know, some some of the things I think about, and I go, "You couldn't have done that." <laughs> you know, it'll just hit me, and I say, "Did I? Did I really do that?" It's like a, it's like another person did it. You know. Hmm wrong ideas, I think, you know, like more lies of the enemy, of course, that we're saying our minds and stuff. I got to think this is a testimony here this week, past couple of days. God had shown me something in my life. I was talking to him about, you know, I go, God, you know, your word, you know, Jesus provided everything that I need. Anyways, long story short, you know, we know that. And I go, you know, I've been believing for whatever for a long time, whatever different things in my life. And I go, what is going on, God? Just to make it short, God had shown me that I had had a now desire with a progressive mindset. And I mean that in the sense of a long time ago, some well-meaning believers in my life and the former church, um, one of my youth leaders actually, real sweetly, very loving, you know, I mean, she got it from somewhere too, whatever the, this false idea. She had talked about it. Like I was going through some things. I don't remember what it was at the time. I was in my teens. And she goes like, I was like, well, you know, I just wish all this would just, and she goes, like, go away or something. She goes, well, you know, God, it's like this other sister in our church says, he deals with us in layers and we're like onions and he just like peels us back. And it always sounded kind of crazy to me, but you kind of accept it, you know, instead of going like, God, you're now God. You don't want me to suffer. You 
you know, Jesus already did it. I was off to grab it, you know. So it hit me this week, and I'm like, wow, you know, but to be, you know, protected from bad beliefs, you know, and stuff. So just as a thought. I was going to add to that, just deception. Yeah. You know, it's, because when it can be so tricky, because deception, I mean, when you deceive, you don't know it. So it's like you think you're doing I mean, I, I, I've been in that situation where, you know, I really thought I was doing yes. what God wanted me to do. But yeah. I mean, so I'm like, you know, all for it and like, you know, God be with me, who can be against me and, you know, real gun ho and really like for the Lord. And, yeah. But now I look back, I'm like, man, I was deceived. So it's like, you get in that deception, it is like, you know, it's hard to get out. It is. Because you think you're right. Yeah. Really? Now, now you know you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like really thinking you're doing it for God, so you know all the all the the um, the things that are going to be coming against you mm -hmm. when you're doing something for God, and that's natural for that to happen because Satan people. You know, they're going to come against you when you're like... And you put your faith in that. So you think, so you think that's what... So you fight even harder, but you fight... But you're just digging yourself in a deeper hole of deception. And you, so that's definitely, Julie, I mean, that is definitely the right belief, deception. I mean, to me, that's like maybe number one for a believer, you know, I would say. Well, we wouldn't be here if Eve wasn't deceived. So that's true. Very good point. That's right. And you shall know. We the wouldn't truth. be where we're at if there weren't for deception. Well, it would have been the next one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been. Then it would have gotten to me. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I used to say. It wasn't any other woman. She was the only one. Well, there was another one. That's why Adam did not have a problem. Her daughter was there, her granddaughter. Yeah, so needless to say, you know, we are very needy. Can I ask a question about deception? Oh my God, I was wanted to do this. We had that late last time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love this rabbi guy on TV. But, and I was so excited that he said that we have it better. Remember, we I don't I said I never heard that before and I was polling you guys. Mm -hmm. We have it better. The Holy Spirit, they were not, they did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in the garden. And so we have it better and no more. And why we're not deceived. Remember, we had that big long discussion. Why did Eve do what she did? Why did she ask God? Why did this? Why did that? And and then whoever brought it up and we have the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're closer to God and have a better relationship and therefore not able to be deceived as easily. So you know what he said though? The, the rabbi said, God intended see i looked up the word intend he said god intended for that to happen in the garden for the fall for them to fall 
so that we could have what we have now, the Holy Spirit. I'm like, where did he come up with that? Is that weird? Like, what in the world? He said God intended for that fall to happen. What is I don't that? think so. He intended that? for them to eat at the tree of life. Right. Because Jesus then you're like, how can you? Because, he's, because he said this, but he intended that to happen? That is a terrible choice of words. I'm happy that we're baptizing the Holy Spirit and it worked out the way it did. But you can't say something like that that is so serious. You can't make a mistake like that because you're. it's like, well, God said this, but then he intended them to fall. How does that make any sense to you guys? And this guy's on TV telling this. It's like, what? He was so right about we have it better, which I thought, oh, man, you're right. We learned that in Bible class. Yeah. And, and how it, could you say this is where so this is why this is why we got to, you know, lean on the Holy Spirit in reference to what we're hearing and how we are digesting the word, because it when you when you're trying to talk, when you're talking about trying to interpret basically, you know, create the creation story and, and God's intent. And you're looking at the scripture, how you're interpreting this is going to, is it, a lot is predicated on your upbringing, your doctrinal mm -hmm. upbringing, mm -hmm. right? So you're going to look at it in a certain lens. And what we got to be careful to do is, you know, whenever we hear something, to step back and say, all right, Holy Spirit, if it doesn't register right away, Holy Spirit, help me with that. Help me interpret this teaching of what was said. Now, some things, there'll be a, a automatic check when you hear it because it's like blatantly blatantly scripturally inaccurate but you know other things you'll hear it and it'll kind of like uh, he used this word or he used this scripture but I don't know now sometimes now the only reason I say you you don't necessarily just throw it away because that goes back to the deception piece yeah. because you can be deceived and hear truth that breaks up against that wall of that schema mm -hmm. of deception. So in order for that truth to break through to that deception, then there, you know, there has to be a pause that's there. It has, there has to be some consideration. Right. But again, you know, what, what we can take stock in is is how much God has invested in our protection mentally, mm -hmm. physically, psychologically, in our physical health, in our finances, in our families, in every single detail of our lives. 
and we can see it all. All you 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 will need but two psalms to see that. Twenty three and ninety one. But I'm gonna go to another psalm. I want us to to, to look at. Let's go to Psalm one thirty nine. Psalm one thirty nine, and I'm gonna read that in the, the past translation. I'm gonna go down to verse five. Psalm one thirty nine. Passion Translation. And I'm going to stop at verse 5. And think about, you know, what Julie was sharing earlier. And, you know, the question I asked about being safe or protected from your past. Okay. All right. Verse 1 says... Lord, you know everything that is there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. All right, hold on. I gotta. I'm, I'm using my my iPad. Hold up. All right, I'll right, start over. And there it is. Yeah. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me. Lord, you read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I would take before my journey even begins. Verse five, you've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. Now you look at verse five and meditate on that. Good stuff there. Really good. And then you come, then you'll come away a little bit as you, as you meditate on that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I love that because that again is dealing with um, the um, cleaning up the mess, you know, <laughs> not letting the past dictate it anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now see you now looking at it in this context tying that with all things work together for the good of those who love God and call according to his purpose see I you can you can get this all this stuff interconnected right but again now I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole I want to read the footnote here in the past translation verse 5 it says or it says, you, you hem me in or besiege me before and behind. The implication is that God protects the psalmist from what may come in the future and what has happened in the past. Strong. Trust me.
man, we, we, we did all that. We were just talking about 12 and 13. <laughs> we ain't even got to 14, 15, and, you know, God's response. Let's look at that. Verses 14, 15, back in Psalm 91. All right, I'm gonna stay in the I'm gonna stay in the Passion Translation here. All right, verse fourteen. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you love me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. Now, is David earning something here? Yeah, I'm just thinking that you can make that legalistic if you have that type of mindset. Yeah. First when you John, delight in someone, it's voluntary. It's free will. Mm. First John four nineteen, if I'm not mistaken, we love him because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Because having a, a, a revelation of his love for you, having a, a, a deep revelation of that, it's going to naturally produce the, the, the right response. It's just like, you know, when Gene's giving his testimony earlier, you know, you look at, you know, you look at where you come from and then how the free gift was offered Ooh. in spite of. Because we none of us deserve any of it, but mm -hmm. he, he gave it anyway. So that's, that's going to produce what? A delight and a love. You ain't work for that, but it's just a, a natural response. Well, we have to keep remembering too, all of Psalm 91 goes back to the very first verse. Yeah. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Um, it's again that relational um, living with Jesus and growing in love with Him that helps us to to receive what He's given. It's He's already given it, but we don't always receive it because we're not in the right place at the right time. Hmm. I read a, a guy who wrote about this first verse. I don't know if it's true or not, but he said that when the, uh, David had control of the Ark of the Covenant for a while and had put it in the tabernacle. And David would go in there and lie under it in the shadow of it and that's where he came up with his psalm from. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it was interesting. Well, if it's like the movie, the wings, remember? Raiders of the Lost mm -hmm. Ark. Mm -hmm. The wings. That makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. Let's look at 15. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. Now, verse 15. Do you agree with that? You always feel his presence. 
feel it in my emotions? No. It's a knowing that he's there, but a lot of times it's not in the old feeler. <laughs> no. But when it is, it's, it's sweet. And I realize that that's more of a... You know. by, the tr by the privilege of the translator. Yeah. Because Amplified simply says he he knows and under let me see. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. That's well, the other thing about will feel. Well, but in the sense like if someone was blind, they can feel someone in the room. They can't see him. But they can feel them in a sense. Well, I know God's there. Right. And I rely on that whether I feel it or not. But you can't, but you said, do you feel it? I think that. No, this is this is like a guarantee. You, right. you will feel my presence. Yeah. Eh, I wouldn't promise somebody that. <laughs> know it. Now, know that he's there. All right. Now, see, I knew this was going to start some discussion here. Verse 15. Because I was about to ask, you know, when you look at this. And it, it can trigger some things. If you, you know, if if you know somebody that has has been praying for something or praying, been in a hard situation and, and prayed and didn't get the the manifestation that they were looking for, and you present this verse, that discrepancy is going to create an issue. So how do we deal with that? Well, I believe God answers. I think sometimes we don't recognize the answer. It doesn't look like what we were asking for. Are you kidding? There's so many prayers I prayed in the first couple of years that I am so glad or, he didn't or, answer. Or we always say, it hasn't manifested yet. We always put a yet on there. But I, know, I look back to some of the prayers I had and they were just dumb. You know, if he answered them, that it would have been crazy. So, yeah. Oh, he stood back from that one. And I like what she said. Time. Yeah, yeah. Say, you know, I know you should do that. He did. Say, yeah, but it's already done, so you have to just. Don't right, say we're yet. saying the manifestation hasn't appeared yet. Right. He's answered. Now, now I don't even pray until I ask him what he wants me to pray. So, do you want me? What do you want me to pray for? And I'll pray for it. Just tell me what it is. Tell me what it is that you think I need. <laughs> okay. 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 Yes, I'm going to belabor this a little more. All right. In the New American Standard, it says, He will call upon me and I will answer. That's a definite article. I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. These absolute statements here. You know, and this is where, you know, it kind of we it get back, it gets back to that idea that we've talked about before, where, you know, we we may have had some personal experience ourselves and know people that didn't necessarily see the manifestation of what they were believing for or asking for. 
but am I going to allow that to dictate how I interpret this verse? Because see, it's it's that that unbelief, that seed of unbelief, is that that's what's going to dilute my faith in the time of distress. So I'm either going to put put my weight on this, or I'm going to consider experience and have to wrestle with the reality of this for me. And once that door is open, what, what's, what's liable to happen? Once the pressure of the circumstance continues to increase, then the temptation for me to lean on the circumstance, the reality of the circumstance is going to increase. And then it's going to dilute my ability to stand on this. Because it's just creating what? Double-mindedness. So when we talk about fighting a good fight of faith, I mean, that's what it is. Because these are definite, definite declarative statements that are made. So she, she made a point earlier about believing one way, saying one thing, and then believing another. And she thought, I thought about that too. Nikki Oshinsky's story is the first, you know, the, the short version is she said, God had told her it was going to be a progressive healing. And then later, when she was healed instantly, when Andrew came, she has gone, Why? He goes, That's the way you were believing. It was not my will. I wanted you now because that's what it is. The healing is now. It's for the now. It's the way you perceive it and believe it. It's for a little while, so I'll let you be there until you can grasp the truth. And it's that was amazing. It's like she was, you know, she was told God's a progressive. She's just, he said, because that's what you were believing for. Yes, but I wanted you healed then. And it's like, she was healed. And you know, it's interesting though, because even that progressive, where's the common sense in that? You know, there is none. Progressive. Yeah, this that's not common 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 common. Common. mom or dad, right? Like, what would, you know, anybody who's a mom or dad, I'm not a parent yet, but there's some great parents in here, would like progressively feed their children or when they were growing up, feed their children. Well, you're hungry. I'm just going to give you like, your side dish right now <laughs> and then you gotta wait five hours and they'll give you your like chicken or protein or whatever it's like mommy daddy i'm hungry can i have some pancakes and i want um bacon just like sure honey here let me fix it up for you <laughs> like why are you gonna make your child wait you know hold on let me let me let me book against that a little bit uh -oh. <laughs> okay because now if that yeah that may be true but if your two-year-old asked for two double double stack Pancakes, of course, and chocolate chip cookies. That's are you gonna give it to them? No, because if you give it to them and they, you know, what, what's liable to happen? They gonna eat it and do what? Make them sick. Get sick. Make them sick. Right? <laughs> Why? Because now they may want that, but they don't have the capacity to receive and digest that. So what does a good parent do? 
they know the portion that they need at the time. They give them and what, what they need. Yeah. Because if we only eat what we like, we die. If we only eat what tastes good, you're not gonna you're not gonna go out and find cauliflower or you know asparagus or you know unless your taste buds are a little different. When I was a kid, I just wanted sweet stuff and stuff that tasted good. Yeah. You do that all your life, and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Yeah. At a certain age. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I think God does that. God feeds us good stuff, and sometimes we're not ready for it. You know, if you're going to serve Him, though, you got to be ready, like not to have common sense. A lot of things He tells you to do, there's no common sense in it at all. Like you get broken, He tells you to take what little money you have and give it away. You're thinking that's crazy. But that's the way it works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Based on whose decision? His. Yeah. And how are you going to get that message to you? Holy Spirit. The sheep knows voice. Holy Spirit, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. I, used to, I used to declare every day, I am your sheep. You are my shepherd. I know your voice and another I will not follow. And when you speak a whisper, I'll hear a shout. And I did that for years, and eventually I started really hearing it. It didn't happen right away, but I started to really be able to have conversations. I might steal that one. That's good. Yeah. But I declared it every single day, sometimes 10 or 15 times a day. I mean, because what's more important than that, for real? If you can hear his voice, you can, you can be the, the dumbest guy in the room and be doing the right things all the time. Yeah. Because that's what I used to tell him. Look, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but if you tell me what to do, I can do it. And, that, and that's the perfect candidate for God to use too, right? And we and you would know who it is. <laughs> you know who doing it. I'm like, no, that joke ain't that smart. He ain't smart enough. Well, he used to have me go up and, and pray for pastors that were in pulpits, and I'd be shaking in my boots. And and he said, "Jim, go up and do that." And I said, "Oh man, you can you can get somebody else here. I want I want you to do it." And I do it, and it worked out every time. I've had things happen to me where God has asked me to do. And I know, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just quieter things between you and God, really small. But it's like, you know, you've heard to testify, but I said, well, God told me to do this. And like, you just really wanted to do it. It's like, it wasn't my idea. And I really actually, not that I hated something, because God would, I know he would never drudge us through something, but just something that wasn't really your particular idea. You know, you know you wouldn't come up with that. And God's like, yes, you know, you do it, and you're like, wow, God, you know, like that. And it's like, yeah. I told you guys a story before. It was snowing out. It was cold. And uh, Terry heard noise outside the door. She said, I think somebody's out there by the woodpile. I said, nah. Well, I went out in the morning. Half the woodpile's gone. Mm -hmm. And there's footsteps in the snow where the guy took the wood, where he carried it to his house. <laughs> I went over and looked, and I said, do you believe it? He was throwing wood. I'm saying, Lord, what do I do now? I'm mad. I want, I want to start fighting, right? And the Lord says, uh, buy him some wood. Like, I said, I don't oh, want to buy him wood. You I bought him a bunch of wood, and I put it in wheelbarrows, and I carried it to his house, and I delivered it, you know? And he never admitted that he stole mine. But he ended up with, like, twice as much, because I gave him a whole bunch of wood. And, and that was against my nature to do. This word... Verse 15 says, I will deliver him. If you think about that, I think in the in the world that we live in, and we don't like to talk about suffering. Everybody wants a microwave deliverance. Everybody wants a before the 
But look at the three Hebrew children. They were in the fire. God didn't deliver them from... Sometimes we get delivered out of stuff, right? We go through. And so that's not, that's not just, I'll deliver you before the bad stuff ever happens. Sometimes we get rescued or pulled out of it in the midst. Sometimes we go all the way through the valley of the shadow of death, but you come out smelling like a rose on the other side. But I, I'm meeting people lately that they just... They are so panicked that they may have to suffer a little bit. But, you know, Jesus said in this world you will have persecution. There will be suffering and tribulation. But God is faithful. If we don't just have a mindset, I don't, I don't want to even taste that trial. No, you may get to walk through the whole thing, but he'll bring you out. And I think sometimes those are things we don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. We just want everything easy. I already tasted most of them, so I'm not really worried about it. That's why Corey Ten Boom ended up in the concentration camps because she ended up leading all those unsaved mm -hmm. Jews to the Lord. And I don't know if you any, it's been many, many years, but when, and this was two separate things, but it was so long ago, my God. But when she was on Pat Robertson, just the glory on her, like, so he was sitting at the desk and interviewing her. He was sobbing his eyes out. I was sobbing my eyes out because the presence of God was God, so yeah. Yeah. strong on her that it's like, what is happening? That was her relationship with yeah, I, God, I heard, which I heard. she never would have had if she would have gotten delivered. Did you hear her that. say she was praising God for the lice? That were in the prison camp? Yes. Because the lice kept the guards off of them. She said if you were full of lice, the guards didn't mess but with thank you. thank you for ruining my story. <laughs> like, he turned my story into lice. But she, was, but she, was, she was praising Let's God for go it. Let's go back to the, the were, glory. The lice was a good thing. I don't thing. want <laughs> That was a good thing. But it was so interesting that I don't know that I've ever had that exact experience watching her. And he couldn't talk. He was sobbing. I'm sobbing. Wow. So there's like a reward. That That's your reward for being and, faithful. And as much as who wants to go through that? Nobody. No. But when you talk about the treasures and the riches in Christ, that's usually where you come into that intimacy. You know, and I'm not advocating, oh, yeah, let's pray for suffering and try. Right. No, there, there's enough you're going to run into being alive. But it's an opportunity for you to build that intimacy. And yep. then it's like you said, you're going through that. And so I mean, that all depends on how you look at the trial. Mm -hmm. As an opportunity to discover another facet of our Savior or whether you just see it as a gross inconvenience. I had a little vision of heaven and... Uh, I got there, and there were people there who were martyrs, and and I mean they were glowing, there, and there was a, 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 that presence was on them, and I remember that I started thinking to myself, man, I wish I had the opportunity to be a martyr, you know? and somebody heard me say that, and said, are you nuts? No, uh -uh, are you no, crazy? That's a great. I had that thought not recently, but yeah, of course, 
Because I think when we get to heaven, we're going to meet them. We're going I said to, I just didn't want it to hurt, though. <laughs> Do you see well, that? I think, I I think God protects you. To, I just don't want it to be painful. I think when I think, shot with I think, gun it's, or I think I it's Stephen, right? When he was being stoned, mm. I doubt that he felt anything. You know, no, that yeah, the glory of God was well, so there you go. powerful. It didn't hurt. And God can take <laughs> you out of your body and put you in heaven before your body hits the ground. But you know? you're not crazy because I had that thought of just... I hadn't had that thought in 20 years. I told somebody that last week, and, and they looked at me like I was nuts. I said, you mean, you mean Amar? Or like Amar? I said, yeah. I said, there are people there that we're going to be jealous of. And, well, not jealous of. We're going to just wish that we had been able to go through that because they're going to be so esteemed. People that have truly laid down their lives. You know? But you know what? Maybe you're just like a lifelong martyr. I think just being here longer than my friends who've died, mm -hmm. I'm like, yay. I'm so happy for you. I'm stuck here. So I think that thought just jumped into my head. It doesn't have to be right. Maybe just sticking it out here for 10, 20, 50 years of hell, like my life, maybe I am a martyr because they all left. Bye. I'm like, well, I wish I could be gone too. Mm -hmm. And I stayed here, so I don't know. That thought came in. Maybe, maybe that's got a, a type of got, got a purpose for you. Yeah, yep. they quit. They quit. They left because they quit. And I'm like, gee, I wish I was a quitter. Not really, but I can't mm -hmm. quit. That's not who I am. They're dead because they quit, and that's like fine. Yeah. Okay. So the thing about it is, we can trust in um, God as being a just judge. Right, because none mm -hmm. of us can really can really see the the trial or the the, mm -hmm. the, the life track that other people are on mm -hmm. and the types of battles that you're fighting internally that you know other people don't know. And some of this some of the stuff you 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 deal with, you don't even know the full extent of what could have happened if God wasn't That's with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, on that day, you, you know, he'll he's going to reveal all that stuff. So we can't really we can't really give roses and, and the, the, the gold medals out in a prop as, as proper judges here on Earth, because we don't our, our view is limited. But he's he's he. I can't tell you some of the dumb stuff he saved me from. I remember doing dope one time, and I put a, I put a bunch of dope in a syringe. I mean, a bunch. And I'm looking at it, and the thought came to me that could kill you, dude. And I said, "Well, let's give it a shot and see." <laughs> I mean, because you got your mind is addled. I mean, you've been you've yeah. been doing drugs for so long. Oh my god! And I have friends who did that and died. Well, I don't yeah. doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll work out. It'll be fine. I watch. Different reality TV. It it'll be fine, and, and, and until it's not fine. All right. So I'm I'm gonna yeah. close out reading reading these last two verses one more time. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Now you see, it says I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. So in spite of what the circumstances is producing or telling you, he never leaves, no forsakes. So whether there's deliverance before the trial 
in the middle of the trial or after the trial, he's there. Mm-hmm. Right. So regardless of what the opposition is, he's there. And he says, I'm, I will deliver him and honor him. And look at his last one. With long life will I satisfy him <laughs> and show him my salvation. That's what we can stand on right there. And the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Just so you know. That's right. That's right. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night.